Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. How to go from grumpy to grateful. Hi, I'm Diane Allen, the host here at Someone Gets Me with an expert on moving from being grumpy to grateful, Kim Angeli. She is an amazing woman, a powerhouse that I met recently through a friend, and I thought, oh, she has to come and talk to us about how to use gratitude as a choice, not just a woo-woo thing, to really make your life better and more profitable and fulfilled. So Kim is coming to us from North Carolina today, and I'm down here in Florida, so we have a little bit of distance, but with the technology of Zoom, here we are together, and we are going to discuss and explore how Kim has created some amazing business opportunities and personal opportunities by working on her own mindset and creating gratitude in an amazing way in her world. So get some tea or coffee, sit back, and listen to us. If you're driving, be ready to rewind and take some notes, because I'm sure what she's going to have to say is going to really get us going. So welcome to the show, Kim. I'm so glad you're spending time with us today. Thanks for having me. I love it. This is going to be so fun, because I think so many people in the world, especially with the pandemic and the stress and the election and everything going on, are grumpy you know, and, and stressed. And even though this podcast is in over 60 countries or something, but even though not everybody's in the U.S., there's still grumpiness in the world. It's not just an American thing. So I want to start off before we get to the grumpy part with a little bit about who are you? Like, where were you born? Tell us a little bit about your road as a young person. And was there ever a time where you were misunderstood or people just looked at you and like, I don't get her? <laughs> I'm going to laugh out loud um, because I was a very visionary um, only child. And I think independent think I'm also a Leo. My birthday was last Monday. I was born in North Carolina and I grew up with visionaries and entrepreneurs. And so when you're going to buck the status quo in your life and with your parents, you can be very misunderstood. So I, I have always probably taken the road less traveled, even as a teenager. And I studied Albert Einstein and I did things differently because I, I want, my dad always said, be a trendsetter, right? Be a trendsetter. He always was. And so in my journey, being an only child, I think I had some ounces of gratitude and I was a nice person, mm-hmm. um, but I was a self-centered, I've been self-centered in my journey. Ask my college roommates. They'd be like, she owns a gratitude company? Like, are you kidding me? She speaks on stage about how to be grateful because there's a time in my life where it was, I was so engrossed in making money and me, 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 that I didn't have a servant mindset. Mm. And then one day I got laid off from a really, really high paying job with Cisco systems 
August, April 29th of 2001. And my whole world, that was the, one of the worst days of my life. And I had to reinvent myself. And then I grew into this servant, grateful being that I am. And I left that ego, me, me, me mindset wherever it landed. It's somewhere, but not in my mind anymore, right? Because once right. you walk in gratitude, you leave the ego wherever you need to leave it. Right, right. It serves in some other capacity somewhere else. Just somewhere. Right. I don't know where I left it, but it can stay there. <laughs> it's not that I don't get an ego sometimes, but I know how to correct myself. Like, right. why am I feeling this way to change my state? And right. my choice of changing my state is gratitude, right? Because I know it's a choice. Mm-hmm. And people right. don't like it when I say that. You're choosing grumpy over grateful. They don't like it when I say that. But I'm just trying to get them out of unconscious awareness into conscious awareness that it is a choice, victim or victimhood. Exactly. And so sometimes when people get upset, it's because they don't want to be reminded that they're making a choice. Right. <laughs> they want to be the victim of it or feel like it's not in their power to do something different when it really is. Right. And it doesn't happen overnight. Now, that journey into servant leadership, gratitude, mm-hmm didn't happen overnight. I would say my unconscious awareness started when I bought the book Power of Focus from Jack Canfield in the Fort Lauderdale airport two months before I got laid off from Cisco Systems. I was reading those concepts, right? They lived in the book. And so that was the seeding of this journey started with that. I can, that and my grandmother gave me the power of positive thinking, Norman Vincent Peale, a long time ago as a teenager. And you stick it in a drawer and you read it when you're 30, right? Right, um, right. But that, but that kind of seeding with her mindset right. planted the seeds for me for later, right? Because seeds, you don't, you, don't, you don't plant them today and eat tomorrow. Right, right. You, know, you got to nurture them, water them, let them grow. That's what I tell my business owners when I work with them and we do gratitude strategy. I'm like, you're going to nurture your clients. You're going to love on your customers and they're not going to call you up and say, I want 1400 of what you sell. It's a process. Yes. And so is this journey into gratitude. Exactly. So when you were in high school and being your teenage self or even in college, was there a time where you um, butted heads with the teachers or the status quo? Like your parents were entrepreneurs, so they kind of got that part, but I'm wondering about how your interaction with like the establishment was when you were that young Kim, you know, finding your way. I'm not really big on, I mean, I'll follow rules. I'm not a lawbreaker, but I'm going to, if I can find a better way that's smarter, I'm going to do that. Right. If I can Mm -hmm. um, find a better path that's better, I'm into work smart, not hard kind of concepts. Right. I can, that's, that's where if I can get to the same outcome with a different way, that's the way I'm going to go. And I have taught that to my 17 year old is to think differently, mm-hmm. to think critically um, because sometimes the solution is not what you've been doing over and over again, because you want to see a different outcome. To right. do different things. Oh, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up critical thinking because one of the conversations I was just having and I would love to hear your idea about this, that I was just having with somebody just the other day was so many people have lost that art of critical thinking because when they hear critical thinking, they, some people think it means to criticize and that's not it at all. And so how do you use critical thinking? 
How, how, how is it a strategy? If somebody's listening to you right now and they're going, I really like her, but I, I don't know what that critical thinking is. Can you give an example or, or a way or a, a place where you've used it to help the listener experience it maybe or understand it a little bit? Because a lot of people don't even know what it is. I think critical thinking involves facts, mm -hmm. data, and your beliefs. Okay. I believe that we have to stay true to our beliefs, but we can invite facts in. Facts. I'm not talking about fake book. I'm not talking about fake news. I'm talking about real data. Yes. And then we make a decision whether we're going to come into agreement with what we've learned, right? Because I believe some people, I've learned this over time, is that change, people changing their mindsets mm -hmm. shows up like grief. So do we don't want to change. Mm -hmm. And so if someone introduces a new concept to someone saying, okay, well, it looks like really you're choosing grumpy, because that's what happened to me. I was in my insurance agency and I was in my um, kind of my grumpy state where I wasn't really walking in gratitude. This was early in my insurance career and I was in my early to mid thirties and I had a gentleman call. He said, well, well you're really, you're a really stern business owner. You're kind of like Cruella. And so I didn't like that fact, but it, it, it made me peel back. Why did he say that to me? And I, mm -hmm. I appreciate him for bringing me out of conscious awareness. Maybe I thought I was this sweet, loving boss, but I really wasn't being that person. Mm -hmm. And so I can't. And so then I made choices to change. I, I didn't just say, well, you know, whatever, he's an idiot. I'm speak ill will about him and he doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. And then I started to change that. So I think what happens is people don't peel back the onion to say, why does this happen the way it is? Who said? See, I love to say to clients and human beings, right. who said? <laughs> who said that? And they say, huh, I don't know. I don't know. And so there's a fascinating story I tell. Oh, I want to hear. the ham story. Have you ever heard it? No. Tell us. Okay. So I want you to imagine that it's Thanksgiving and everybody's at your house or whatever you do for Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving because there's no gifts involved, even though I created the Grateful Box, which is kind of a gift. It's kind of funny. But my love language is not gifts. It's service above self. And so I want you to imagine the family is getting ready for Thanksgiving dinner and they do a ham every year. And the, and the, and the like me, let's say I cut the ham and I cut the ends off the ham. Just naturally, I'm cutting the ends off both of the hams before I put it in the oven. And my husband says to me, hey, honey, why do you cut the ends off the ham? Mm -hmm. And I say, I don't know. My mom always did it. And my mom comes into the kitchen and I say, hey, mom, why do you cut the ends off the ham? She's like, I don't know. Ask your grandma when she gets here. Nana, that's what I call my grandmother. So my grandmother walks in and we all turn around and ask her, hey, grandma, why do you cut the ends of the ham off? Well, my oven was too small to fit the ham in when I started cooking Thanksgiving dinner 50 years ago. So I had to cut the ends off. But so what we become, see, we didn't know. Nobody asked, why are we cutting the ends of the ham off? Right. And the ovens have gotten bigger over all these and years. The oven is and bigger. Need, and and so didn't I need to cut it off. <laughs> why? If you're not achieving the outcome you want to see, your life is yucky. You're stuck. 
and you don't peel back the onion and put on your critical thinking hat, like the old like thinking hat, and ask why, what, why, why is this happening to me? I did that and I started incrementally choosing to make change. It was a choice. I had to take action to see results. Exactly. And, I, and that's a big one. You have to take action. You got to take action. Choose. You have to make the choice. You have to be open-minded. And that's the why question. And that's the asking, that's the asking, like asking your mom, asking your grandma, like what's going on, being inquisitive, right? You had to do that first. Right. You had to be willing to make the choice to take a different action and see how that unfolded. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people just going through the motions of life because it was their normal growing up. They've never said, why do I do this? Mm -hmm. And I've done that over time, especially in the last four or five years, looking at habits that I don't want to, I want to change. And so I just take action and gratitude is a habit. Being grateful is a habit. Okay. Say more about that. Cause some people probably will hear you say gratitude is a habit and they will th say, no, it's not. It's an emotion. No, it's not. It's an attitude. No, it's not it. And they're going to argue with you, but I agree with you. So share right. with everybody that idea. Gratitude is a habit, everybody. <laughs> so I'm going to explain my journey when I wanted to be a better person, more servant and gratitude. In the beginning, replacing negative thoughts and fear and anger and negative responsiveness, which is grumpy, is hard to change if you don't know how. And so I had to remind myself, mm -hmm. what how can I change my state? How can I get myself out of this grumpy mood? And I had to kind of, I took index cards actually and wrote positive sayings on them in my wallet, on my mirror. I learned how could I get myself out of my state? What music did I want to listen to? What person could I call to get me out of this grumpy mood? And I made a choice. And so in the beginning, when you're learning how to do something, you need reminders, right? Yes. You need measurement. And so now I don't need sticky notes to remind myself to choose grateful. I don't, I mean, I do write in my gratitude journal to center myself every morning and have that meditation and, and get my mindset in the right place. But now I can literally change my state in about three minutes. Now I learned that over time. And so my habit of, I teach E plus R equals O, which means we have an event, we react to it, and it affects the outcome. Okay. I learned that I own the R, which is grateful, joy, empathy, not anger, hate. Those are choices. And so now I don't react like I used to. Right. I don't step into anger. And that's a, that's a habit. Yes, it's an emotion, but we don't, do you, um, so I assume... You brushed your teeth this morning. Yes. Did you put a post-it note beside your bed to remind yourself? No. No, because it's a habit. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. My vision of the world is everybody chooses grateful living over grumpy living as a habit where we're, we, even if we don't agree with someone, mm -hmm. we're going to meet them with grace and gratitude and say, that is your business and your opinion of me is not my business. Right. right. And we're not going to be so attached to what other people are doing unless it, you know, we're just not going to be reactionary into the grumpy anger, all those emotions people choose. Right. I think, and I think too, that choosing gratitude and being grateful keeps our locus of control inward so that our part 
we have way more authority over than when we're so reactionary because of an external locus of control, we end up giving everybody else all the power and we're like an emotional slave jumping all around and exhausted and not only grumpy, but probably really grumpy and angry and, and then burned out eventually. Oh yeah, I've been there. I've been burned out because I was letting all that negative energy, like you're, you're giving it energy. Like I tell people all the time, I give clients permission sometimes. I'll say, why are you doing, why are you going to that networking meeting? How is it serving you in your business? Huh? They'll say, huh? Like they've never thought of it. Right. What? What do you mean? I said, I'm giving you permission to analyze that time you're spending and that energy you're giving that event. And then you're going to decide, you're going to decide whether you're going to give it energy or is it not worth your energy? Because you've just never sat still and long enough to look at it. Right. I think some people, especially business owners or, or people, you know, just getting into the workforce or whatever it is, think they have to do everything. You know, like I have some clients I work with and we're all, everybody's gifted and everybody's visionaries because that's the people I work with. And it's like, oh, I'm going to start a business. Okay, great. I'll help you with that. And then pretty soon they want to be on every social media platform, have all of their offerings totally done, ready to go before they tell the first soul about it and all of those things. And they stress themselves out to the point where they then get so overwhelmed, they just shut down and nothing happens. Right. You know, because they've tried to do too much too quickly and not really pay attention to what am I giving myself permission to do? And it's okay to take steps. We don't have to be at the finish line in one jump. Well, and what I tell people <laughs> is you, you also have to give your permission, permission to say no. Yes. I mean, I literally sit across, well, the table before COVID more, but now I sit across Zoom and I say, let's, let's practice just in case you've forgotten no <laughs> let's say the word no like it's not a bad word but it's it's if, if I say yes to this I'm giving up something else here and I'm giving you energy I might need to something else I read the book essentialism last year change your life the, the book essentialism will show you you can't be all things to all people at some at somewhere in the journey for you to have mindset that you're in grounded with the mindset. You cannot say yes to everything. And that's why a lot of people are so burnt out is they're saying yes and yes and yes. And who said? Who said you had to say yes to all that? Right. Where did you get that? Where did you get that? I always say, where did you get that? Where did, where did you get that? Like, help me out here because uh, where did that come from? And, and I think we're trained with social media to keep coming back and the news and everything to, to keep saying yes and like drive like machines when if we're going to live like a servant leader and we're going to be grateful, it means we're being like a human being and we're not acting like a machine. It's, a, it's shifting things to work in our favor, actually, in the long run, you know, because then we don't burn out and we don't get all grumpy, you know? Well, I actually, my dad passed away two years ago um, on the day that I got laid off from Cisco Systems to the day, um, the same date, because my dad and I are big on dates. And I was told after I dealt with my dad and my dog and moving my mother and all that, I was going to rest. And I was going to do less start, starting August 1st of 2018. My fearless leader, God himself, said, you're going to do less. You're going to be more intentional. You're going to be more mindful. And you're going to make way more money and have a better life. And he's way smarter than I am. And I have. It's been amazing what I'd said no to in the last two years and I, it's unbelievable. When you say no, I have more joy. Yes. 
And people think I'm crazy, but I'm like, just try it out. Just intentionally own your time, your most valuable resource and walk in gratitude and just tell me how it works and try it for 90 days. And when you try it for 90 days, really do it. Really do it. You know, not just pretend like you're doing it or say you're doing it in your mind and not really doing it. You know, all of those. Right. Really do it. Then everything changes. Everything changes. Right. Everything changes. Everything changes. It's hard to explain. I, I know you know what I mean. It's hard to explain the mindset of that. And the work, because I'm not telling you it's easy. I mean, this is not easy to change the mindset that you're the programming and the reactionary and the fear you've been taught. Fear is learned. My mother was a great teacher. She's an awesome teacher of fear and worry. She's the master. And so I was taught all that and I had to unlearn it with gratitude because I can't hang out with fear and worry and gratitude at the same time. They're not friends. Right. They don't hang out together. And so when I'm in gratitude, I don't hang out with fear and worry. I don't let them in. They don't come have a sandwich. They're not hanging out at my house. They're not friends. Right, right. They don't, they don't come over. No, they don't come over. I don't answer the door. I'm like, who's right. that? Oh, no. <laughs> Look through the little peephole. No, we're not That's letting right. you in. That's when you're like, who's here? <laughs> Is somebody here? Right. Is it Just Amazon? Talk. Do I have a package? Oh, no, it's some solicitor. Right. <laughs> Exactly. And I don't want you to, what you're selling me. So see you later. <laughs> right, right. It's so true. It, and, and there are no words really to describe the freedom that comes with owning our own time and giving ourselves permission to say no to what doesn't serve us and say yes to what does. And it reminds me of Stephen Covey's quote, it's easy to say no when there's a burning yes within. And that quote kind of changed my life way back when. Um, because I was saying too many yeses. And, and, and I was on the edge of burning out at the time. I hadn't burned out, but I probably was really close. And I remember I heard that and I'm like, oh, and it was at the beginning of some training that I had to go to that I did not want to go to because it was in the way of my real work, whatever that was. It was so long ago. I hardly remember it now, but I remember that the person who came in to teach, don't remember the person's name, can't tell you the name of the training, but they opened with that quote. And wow. I'm like, all right, well, I've got my money's worth. Because, That's right. You know, when there is a burning yes going on within and you really know your heart's desire, your vision, and what you're about, you know, then that no comes much easier than when everything's all clouded and jumbled up and you really haven't taken the time to invest and discern and know what's really going on and what's mine to do, you know? Well, because when you're mindful of distractions, to your purpose and passion, and you are like, I call it like Wonder Woman, where, you know, I'll have somebody kind of to try to distract me out of my purpose and passion. Is this serving where I'm supposed to be going? You know, it's a lot of no's. And I'm not attached to the no. That's what I find with my customers and people I work with, is they're so attached to saying no to that networking event. No to that. I said no to someone recently, and I said, I appreciate you inviting me and I appreciate the opportunity, but right now it doesn't serve my purpose and passion, which I was called to do. And I have to stay in alignment with that because if it, I don't, it disrupts my peace. Yes. Yes. And, like, and then, you know, they think that's woo woo, but, but eventually people will get into that gratitude mindset um, because they'll, I'm just planting seeds that we shouldn't be running around living in fear and worry. 
Right. Well, I call that kind of mindset discernment. <laughs> right. Discernment. Like, yes, absolutely. Right. Like when you're discerning and say, does this, does this meet what's working and does it fit in the bigger picture at this moment in time? It's not like you're saying no, not ever, forever, you know, until the cows come home. It's like right now, it doesn't serve what's happening. Right. And when we release the attachment to the outcome, the no is easier. But right. I think people hold on to the no, like you're saying, because they have that existential fear, you know, of losing what they have, not getting what they want, or there's some fear grabbing them. Well, criticism is a big weapon. Mm -hmm. um, critis people cannot stand to be criticized. Um, I've been there. I was a shy child until the age of 18. Then I went to college and I kind of came into my own mindset. I was, you know, lived up to being called shy as a child. And... My epiphany was when I became unattached to what people think about me and, and it, it's game changing. It's, yes. it's actually game changing. And so many people are so worried about, you know, criticism. Right. So what, what are some tips for, for people who might be afraid of criticism or, you know, kind of hiding because they don't want to be criticized. What are some things that you might want to share with them to help them release some of that fear of criticism to help them live more grateful? Do you have a tip that you share with some of your clients? I would ask to seek out why, like why, what, what is the worst thing that's going to happen if you make a decision to let's let's, I said something to my husband the other day and, and he was going to ask somebody something and I said, well, what if they say no? Well, you're right where you were if you didn't ask them. You're at a no. So I don't, you have to kind of, there's a, you know, woo-woo, face the fear and do it anyway. But I also like to uncover why am I so apprehensive to make that change? I want to know that back behind it because you can't really change it if you don't understand why you think that way, right? So okay. dig a little deeper. Don't take things at face value. Say, you know, did I have something in my past which makes me, you know, want to say yes all the time? Like there's some pleaser people here. And, and I will say one of my biggest coaching assignments has been my mother. I love her. And she knows I talk about her around the world and on, and on Zoom. She's um, awesome. And, I, and, she's, and she did. She's such a pleaser person at the expense of her own life at the expense of her own decisions. And so when you get to the your end of your life and you've lived your life for other people and not in your what you were wanting to do, there's a lot of regret. And so I've literally coached her over the last five years to stop trying to please everyone at the expense of your emotional being and to watch her stand in that and not even, you know, she's actually walked around and stuff with COVID and she's older and, um, you know, she's gone out and, and she's like, I'm not used to, I wouldn't have gone out because I'd be afraid what, what somebody think about me. But I'm like, you know, you, you can't own that. You have to be you. You have to be your authentic self. Right. And stepping into our authentic self is where the empowerment is to be able to even be more grateful. It like keeps the momentum going. Right. Right. And so it's the getting started that's a little harder, right? Because it takes a lot of effort, like the post-it notes and all of that stuff. But once we get a little momentum, we can steer the ship a lot better with right. the momentum. We can say, oh, okay, this is working. This isn't working. Let's go look over here and let's look deeper. 
And I say my journey started with dusting off that book that I purchased in the airport because I'm, if you're an airport junkie book person like me, me. Oh, I love them. My name's Kim and I'm an airport book junkie. Like my husband be like, honey, come back. <laughs> and I'll go in the bookstore and I'll be like, look what I got. They're all around me. You just can't see them. And so I bought that book and I dusted it off and I knew there had to be a better way of living because I was living. It was crazy. I was, it was a, it was a crazy journey. I was building a business. I was replacing myself with six people. I had a toddler. I had a husband who worked one hour away, one hour commute one way. He was never home. And I just thought, Oh my God, I, I literally remember putting like thinking, do I get three or four hours of sleep tonight? And thinking, okay, Jack, this gratitude stuff's got to work to shift my mindset. <laughs> or I, I might have found him and thrown that book in him. And so I took <laughs> writing gratitude. I literally took a post-it note, like post-it notes. And every night I could muster. Not every night, because not every night I would think of it. Some nights I would probably go to sleep in my clothes. I don't even know. It was so busy. I can hardly remember I would write down, I am grateful for fill in the blank. And after over time, focusing on what was going well, <laughs> over time, now I can't write one note of gratitude and be done. Like that would be like running around the neighborhood once and never exercising again. It doesn't work. It's consistent behavior over time that develops into a habit, like brushing your teeth. When I did that consistently over time and started focusing on what went well and not what was going wrong, which is essentially what gratitude is, right. is focusing on what's going well. My life shifted. It, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is, because it seems, I think it seems too simple. Yes, I agree with you. I think so many people think, oh, that's too easy. That's too simple. It has to be harder <laughs> than that. Right. Yeah, that's what the woo-woo people do. So I'm not even going to try it, even though it's, it's intelligent to do it. It is because once you start <laughs> shifting the mindset to say, you know, I'm stuck in traffic yet I'm going to be stuck in traffic and be okay with it. I'm not going to try to be somewhere else. Be mad. I'm in traffic. I'm just going to actually be in traffic, enjoy the moment in the now and, and, and just let it happen. And so when you're, when I'm standing in the grocery store too, I can see, cause I just stand there and I, I'm trying to engage energy, like make the energy rise. Cause I can do that with laughing and it's harder with a mask, but people can see my eyes. I it's working. Mm -hmm. And so I can feel people's energy that are stuck in that grumpy. They're, they're going through their mind. What's not going well in their life in the grocery line. And I can feel that energy mm -hmm. just, yep. Feel it. So when you start focusing on what's going well, even in disruption, even when my dad died, my dog died, and I moved my mother of 34 years and homeschooled my daughter in the same six months of 2018, I got through that journey of life with gratitude and stepping into what was going well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not the sky is falling, which is what I was taught as a child. We focused on the sky was falling. Yes. Not what was going well. Mm -hmm. So if I can do it as a egocentric, self-centered only child, you can do it too. <laughs> <laughs> if there's hope for Kim, there's hope for you. <laughs> That's right. There's hope for everybody.
Yeah. There absolutely is. And it's, and for everybody, it's like their own road, you know, because I was a really shy child and a visionary and I was the oldest of two, but my brother was completely the opposite. And, um, and that road for me was like, ah, and then once it, it's like once the visionary script flipped, once I did enough practice and it flipped, it's like, it's like kicking in a door, the hinges are bent, we can't go back. And so there's ultimate freedom in that, that we don't have to, our ego might think we get stuck in the old, but we can't be stuck in the old because we've blown it out. It's gone. We dropped it somewhere along the way, you know? And I think that's something that I would like everyone to hear Kim and I talking about is that it's okay to drop those old, outdated, not working for you beliefs, actions, motives, and pick up things that do serve you like gratitude and being nice and smiling and looking for what's good in the world and good in your own life, even in the face of disruption, even in the face of things going in a way that you wouldn't desire. Because if I had learned it earlier, and I learned it when I was supposed to, mm -hmm. but I watch my 17-year-old who learned it early because she's my daughter and she was around it and she was immersed in it because I was learning it and I was creating Grateful Boxes 10 years old, right? And so in my mind, and then of course physically it's five years old, but um, I basically... She views the world as a 17-year-old like it's unimaginable what she will be able to accomplish with the mindset she already has going into adulthood, yes. where I had to unlearn all that programming. It's going to be a lot. I'm not going to say it's going to be a cakewalk for her, but she's going to, she, she definitely responds differently than I did as a 17-year-old. And I think that's important. For, I'm glad you said that because I think it's important for anybody who's a parent who's listening to us that, and I teach this to parents and that's a perfect example. I'm going to use it in the future is, is when you make a change in your own life and you had to walk that difficult road and you teach it to your children, both intentionally, but also just by your behavior change, right? So they learn both ways. Then their road is elevated. Their road is still going to have difficulty and disruption and challenges because that's the human condition. And they don't have to undo the generational things that you undid because you undid it. Absolutely. And there, there's great power in taking that role as a parent to say, well, let me help break some of these generational transmissions of stuff energy, beliefs, whatever it is. And then that way, the generations to come, even in disruption, have a different road that's been elevated because of your work. So because of your work, your daughter benefits. Absolutely. And if I think if more parents understood that gratitude is learned, just like brushing your teeth, just like having to ride a bike, mm -hmm. I, I, I would have... so. At seven, I was really, well, probably early in her life, like when she was four or five, I was indoctrinating myself into this journey. And so she doesn't, she just makes better decisions than I ever would have as a 17-year-old or my husband who had to learn a lot of unpro you know, programming. And I just wish parents understood what I understand now that I didn't really understand when I was raising her is that zero to 10 and you know this because you mm -hmm. study it, but from zero to 10 years old, you are formulating your child's normal. 
-hmm. And it's much easier to formulate that from zero to 10 in a great way, in a good way, in a positive way than to undo an adult. It's work. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's definitely work to undo it. Yeah. (laughs) It's work. Uh, I know I was work. I I still work every day. Right. Right. And then, and see, and part of the work too, I think is like the story of the ham is that what worked for your grandmother no longer worked. It's not because what she did was wrong or bad. It was because it it was unnecessary anymore because ovens got bigger. Right. And so sometimes we're carrying on traditions or we're carrying on beliefs that they don't work today in this day and age, even though who taught us and how we learned it might have worked back then. It, times change and things right. move and, and evolve. And so that's where I think, you know, when you were talking earlier about being open-minded and being curious and asking why, I think that's one of the big benefits of it because some of the things that we're carrying around are just old news. It's not because anyone did anything wrong and we don't have to defend it. We don't have to explain it. We just have to understand it doesn't work anymore. It's like clothes that you're done using. You give them away. You don't beat them up and yell at them and, and do all kinds of crazy things. You just say, here, who else would use this? Right. Absolutely. Well, I told a client yesterday who needs to make some changes in her business and, and part of her team is not on board. I say, well, tell them, you know, when you got a car back in the old days, you didn't keep a horse in the backyard as backup. We, we evolved. Like I have a car, but I don't have a horse in my backyard as backup. Right. Because we evolved into the automotive. And so you know, I, I, I tell people, I even said to my concierge doctor yesterday, I said, you know, you're, you're bringing in a new concept of concierge medicine where you're going to help me navigate the healthcare system if I need you. And this is a disruptable thing you're doing. And it's an evolution. And I said, we used to do dentistry with no Novocaine. He's like, yeah, me, my mom wouldn't let me get any. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we evolve. And so, but you have to be open-minded. People just don't like change. I actually love change. I like to evolve. I like to learn new things. But I think we just get stuck. Yeah. I think it's, you know, people get stuck in what's familiar. And if, unless they take the time to do the discernment and look at it, they could be stuck in the familiar, not realizing that that's what's causing a lot of the stuck and a lot of the pain and a lot of the grief. Right. If they would start moving, there's grief in the process of change, but it's not the same grief as being stuck because that grief has regret hooked to it. You know? Right. And, so, and, and, and I will tell you, habits and regret show up much later in life. Yes. I've seen it. I've experienced it with some of my relatives and, and my father. And so change the habit now. Choose grateful over grumpy now because you'll reap the reward years from now making yes. the choice today. Yeah. That's really good advice. So rewind what Kim just said and listen to her again because it's important to choose it now so that you're not full of regret later or trying to pretend like you're catching up. It's, it's a decision to make right here, right now, while you're listening to her. Pull out a pen and a paper right now and write down the things that you're grateful for. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't care if it's a post-it note or a napkin. That's Just right. I, um, 
I do a, a talk every morning um, on La, on Facebook Live, and I have um, somebody who comes every day, and she brings her Post-it notes, and she has a box, and she writes down the one-liners I say or the epiphany she has or something that really resonates with her, and she puts them in her box in these Post-it notes. And then she pulls them out and looks at them and puts them up when she needs to and keeps them in the box anyway. She never throws them away. And, and, and I didn't know she was doing it till she showed me. And I'm like, how, that's a really good idea Yeah, you know, that she's listening for things she can use throughout the day. It's just not right. entertainment all the time. She's really paying attention. So would you be willing to share with everybody about Grateful Box? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to hear all about it. And I, and here is Grateful Box. Oh. It is a box. It's a real box. I it love comes, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it comes with a notepad and a pen um, to put your notes in. Mm -hmm. And what I love about it is we have lost the written word. Mm. So I have hundreds of letters from my Nana Stella. She wrote me every week for 10 years in college and until I got married. And then when I got married, she said, I don't have to write you anymore. I'm like, what? My father... So when my dad passed away, he had a grateful box and he wrote down what he was grateful for. And so I had the ability to go through his grateful box and read his notes and his thoughts. And he dated them because we we're big into dates. Now, sometimes he would write, Dear Kim, where's my yacht? Where did it go? Because <laughs> they're funny. My dad was funny. But what this does is I can look at my year and my mindset where I was and see the evolution. Mm. of the written word and we um we sell these in bulk now we don't sell them ones or twosy online right now because of um, our ordering we moved to the a u.s box maker this year but i have had people say my family and i started writing a note of gratitude every night at dinner at the dinner table and now we go back and read the grateful box notes to see what we were grateful for and so what it does is just gets people in the household in the habit of choosing what's going well and so that's why in my journey of choosing, I was going to make a change in my mind mm -hmm. in 2010. Mm -hmm. I literally took a wooden box and a notepad and a post-it notes, post-it notes and a pen. And every night before I went to bed, I wrote down what I was grateful for for that day. Just one thing. I, Cause I couldn't in my mindset, one thing was all I could muster. If somebody said, write down five things. I'd been like, no, I don't have time. I want to go to sleep. Right. And so that's how the grateful box evolved. And we started making them five years ago. And I got called out of a really lucrative insurance agency career of 15 years that I grew for the ground up into going and inspiring people to choose grateful living. And that was fearful. I had to have a step into a lot of faith to leave comfort, to start from nothing and start growing this. And we're five and a half years into it as a legal business. And so that's scary. Mm -hmm. But oh, guess yeah. what? The first step is scary, but you just keep walking. Yeah. You just, yeah. Keep, you just keep walking because if I got in my car and it was like midnight and I'm going to drive from North Carolina to Florida where you are, mm -hmm. I don't question the headlights. They only show me a little bit of the path at a, at a time. Mm -hmm. But I have faith that I can get to your house from Charlotte to your house with headlights and a car. But I can't see the whole journey. I can only see pieces of it. And so you just have to start the journey. You have to just start. Because I promise you, in the journey of gratitude, your life, I guarantee it will be better if you just do the one little thing a day. 
Right. It'll be better. And then as you're going down the road from Charlotte to Florida or wherever you're headed, the scenery changes, your abilities change, you change. And so now the outcome is exponentially better. Absolutely. Because you can't, you can't even con you can't even have the concept. So it's cool that you're only following the headlights because even if you could see it, it will be better when you get there in reality. Right. When you're right. When it changes you're, your entire perspective yeah. of living. Yes. Like I would have never 15 years ago, if you'd have told me that I would be teaching gratitude and owning grateful box and living in a town I said I wouldn't live in in 2012, which is Charlotte. Cause I moved here seven years ago. I would have said you were crazy, but I had to be open to the possibility of what does that look like? Yeah, that's a whole nother Oh, point. my God. That's hilarious. I'm laughing so hard because I can't tell you how many times I've said that. If, if, I, if you would have asked me before, whatever it was, would I be doing it? I'd go, absolutely not. Right. You're, you're doing, uh-uh, no possible way. And then once the shift happens, it's the only logical choice. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> and somebody will say, well, what are you going to be doing from five years from now? And I'm like, I really can't say. I say that I have a lot of discernment. Mm -hmm. And, and I have a lot of clarity and, and I'm not that smart. And so someone in my world will tell me what that clarity looks like. But right now my journey is inspiring grateful living and helping business owners take the journey and, and not be, and, and use tools that help them keep clients, show gratitude and serve their customers well, and not just be so like, Oh, I got a new sale and move on. Right. I like to teach gratitude sales. And how can we, because somebody in corporate America who learns gratitude takes it home with them. Mm -hmm. They're more grateful at home. They're more grateful on their ride home. You know, they engage with their family better. So I was called to take gratitude into corporate America and take and inspire it because I don't, it's not taught. I have a school system I work with, a, a private school, and they bought grateful boxes for their teachers and their, and because they want to teach it because it's not being taught. No, quite the opposite is being taught. Right. So, so you work with companies and, and the people within them, obviously, to right. live more gratefully. Is do you, can you think of a, a client that you've helped where the and where you could give a little cliff note version of where they were and how they landed as a result of the grateful box, just so people can get a, a picture of it? Because a lot of people think you know business is is business and it's hard and it's rough and people are grumpy and people are stressed out and entrepreneurship. If, if it's an entrepreneur you're working with that road is way up and down and way up and down. And now with COVID and all these transitions going on in the world, it's even more turbulent. And so give us a little snapshot of, of somebody that you've worked with. You don't have to give the names or anything, you know, to divulge their confidentiality, but like, what's it look like for somebody to go from grumpful to great grumpy to grateful in their business sense, like how is that apply it to that for people? Cause I don't know that a lot of people understand that the power in shifting it professionally. Well, one of my largest healthcare clients, um, I taught them grumpy to grateful and choosing appreciation in the workplace. And because we don't naturally appreciate people we work with on a daily basis, we just don't, we grind it out and we're like next and we do it again. So I worked with a healthcare organization here in Charlotte and I spoke to their leadership team about how we 100% own our choice, grumpy or grateful. We own that, pick one. 
And then I taught them how to engage with a grumpy customer or patient. In this, in this, it was a patient. And I said, you know, grumpy, when you have a grumpy client come to you or a grumpy employee, we naturally want to react and get into a negative state. So we're going to start with, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing with me that you had a really bad experience if they were the patient. And we're going to engage with them with grace and gratitude and thank them for the feedback. And they were like, what? And I gave them scripts and I said, this is what we're going to say. We're, we're, we're just, we're, this is what, how we're going to engage with them. Cause I developed this strategy in insurance. Cause you can only imagine when do you call your insurance agent? Only when there's trouble going on. Yeah, only when there's, so 100% of calls into an insurance agency are problems. Because right. nobody ever dials up their agent and says, oh my gosh, I just love paying this monthly fee for auto insurance. Nobody, never. In 15 years, it never happened. So when I gave them how to engage with a grumpy patient or a grumpy customer or a grumpy employee, and we say thank you, and we appreciate them for it, because only 3% of people who have a bad experience with your business will tell you. The rest of them go tell, the other 97% of them go tell someone else, you are awful. They'll go to Facebook, they'll go to Google, they go tell their friends. And so when we show up and say, we appreciate you, and then we thank them, and we do something nice for them, they totally have no idea how to respond. They're like, I had a client do this. I, I taught him the grumpy to grateful, and he had um, taken his car to an auto repair store, and have you ever, like, my husband is horrible about this. I'll get in his car and the time changed from the spring or fall. Right. And the time will be the hour difference. Well, that will drive me. I can't even drive out of the driveway and I've got to change mine. <laughs> well, too. he will drive around for a couple of months. So my customer had been driving around for six months with his time not changed on his time in his truck. And so he got into his truck and he's like, oh, my gosh, they changed the time. He didn't know how to do it. So he calls up the auto repair store and he said, Hey, I just want to let you know, I want, cause he had just had my training. He said, I just want to say, I appreciate whoever did that for me. I really appreciate them. And I just want you to let you know as a business owner. And the guy was like, what? Well, you can bring it back in and we can fix it. You know, it's okay. So he totally was so not used to people calling back and giving them compliments. He didn't know how to react. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I tell clients all the time, I'm like, I want you to show gratitude to people that are grumpy. Mm -hmm. And then I want you to show gratitude to your old clients, not your new ones. I want you to show gratitude to your new ones, but I want you to love and serve and nurture your current client base because that's where your revenue and re referrals will come from. Right. And it's so polar opposite from what we're taught it's a mindset shift for them and it's fascinating to watch. We just had a realtor send out a whole gratitude campaign in the mail to a customer and she got $2 million listings. She had never thought to re-engage in gratitude and servant leadership into her client base and not ask them to buy anything. Cause who, who does that anymore? Right. Right. And just offering the gratitude and, being present with it. So when you're working with people, do you, t I'm sure you probably do, but I just have to ask you anyway, do you teach the people how to deal with their own grumpiness? Like, yes. like, um, like their inner, the inner grumpy. <laughs> yes. 
So if somebody's listening and they have inner grumpy in their own self, what, what would be something that they could start to get from grumpy to gratitude within themselves? Because I think sometimes we show up with our own grumpy. <laughs> I think it's having, you can't suppress a negative or grumpy thought. Hmm. What are you going to replace it with? Like come up with a phrase or something that makes you joyful. Right. Like I even have a couple of friends that if I called them right now and I was in a really bad mood, just hearing their voice would make me happier. Yes. Now, but you have to identify before you're in that bad mood who they are. Right. Right. So right now I could call my friend Barry and he would literally, I could change my state just talking to Barry. Or listen to, I have a playlist on my phone from Spotify. I can literally change my state with music. And I learned this in Tony Robbins Business Mastery. All, all, the, all the visionaries do this. But I think it's just not common knowledge. Right. I've, I can literally change my state with those couple of tools. Or I have stopped on the side of the road being in such a bad place mentally and written down five things I was grateful for immediately. Change my state. We have to redirect our focus on what's going well because there's so many people, and, and I do it in the grocery store. They'll say, oh, how's your day? I'm like, Fast, fantastic. My day is fantastic. How's yours? And they're like, huh, they don't know how to respond because right. somebody's going to complain about the weather, oh, the hurricane's coming. We've always got weather. We've always got something going on. Life is always happening. Right. How are we reacting to it? And so I choose it as a little game to me. I'll see how many people in the grocery store with a mask on can I make smile through the mask? I do it as a game. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I can feel the energy shift because it's our job as visionaries and people who understand energy that do this work. It is our job to shift that energy where we are in the now mm -hmm. because that person it's a ripple effect. It's why we send six or 700 birthday cards in the mail a month from Grateful Box. If I can capture your birthday and put it in a system, you're going to get a birthday card. Because if you go to the mailbox and you've had a bad day and you get a birthday card or a thank you note from someone or me, and you're like, oh my gosh, among all these bills is gratitude and happiness. Mm -hmm. You walk back into your house and you're nicer to your family, your dog, I just help change your state in a little way. And you're nicer to yourself. You know, That's like right. it gives you, it gives that kind of breath of fresh air in the middle of whatever that mental turmoil is. In fact, it's funny. I went to get my mail yesterday and in the middle of all the business stuff was this green envelope. And I got to it and it was a card for, for no reason, had butterflies all over from a friend of mine just telling me to keep doing my lives and keep doing what I'm doing. And he just supports me and wanted to send me cute little butterflies. That's amazing. And, and it totally changed everything. And then as I, you know, sifted out of the mail I needed to address or look at, I put his card right on the top. It had glitter on and everything. It was gorgeous. And I put it on the top and it's out on my desk and I've been looking at it like, you know, there you go. That's what matters. And, um, and I love to send cards to people just randomly because we all like to get something tangible that is not heavy or bill related or problem related. That's about gratitude and love and care and compassion. And I think yeah. we need more of that Yeah. because we don't reach out to people in kindness without an agenda. Yes. And that is what gratitude is. And that's what I teach people and teach customers is 
when was the last time you called someone in your past that that relationship is important to you and said, how's it going? How's COVID? How's your family? Like we get so caught up in the busyness of life because one day, see, you know, I've read where more people get flowers at funerals than they ever get in their lifetime. Right. It's true. And so I think we need to get back to, I appreciate you as a human being for making my life better, but we just don't tell people. And sometimes the closer they are to us, the worse we are. Yep. You know, our husbands, our spouse, the people we work with. And so I teach actually in corporate America and I challenge anybody who is even in business. You don't have to overthink gratitude. I'm going to give you a really, really awesome way to show gratitude to people you work with or a spouse is, right, I appreciate you on a post-it note and, and stick it on their mirror, stick it on their computer monitor. I appreciate you are the, some of the three most powerful words outside of I love you. And it's not really corporate America. You can't go around saying, I love you. You're awesome. <laughs> but you can say, I appreciate you, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it holds just as much or more weight. But we don't intentionally or consciously do it consistently. We do it at Thanksgiving. Everybody gets on that gratitude train to Thanksgiving. We do it kind of at Christmas time and the holidays. But February, March, April, consistent gratitude is cumulative. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing the power of it. Yes. Consistent gratitude is cumulative. True. 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 Just, yes. You know, Cumulative. it is. It totally is. It totally is. There's no question about it. So you work with corporate clients. Do you, do you work with um, individual people that aren't necessarily business focused that would like to learn more about gratitude or is most of your work with companies? Um, about 90% of, I don't do any one-on-one -on -one coaching with people unless they're a business owner. Mm -hmm. um, we do have a Choose Grateful Living Facebook page where you can get ideas to choose Grateful Living through Grateful Box. My core genius is working with a business owner that it is their life. So I am going to work with them personally and professionally. Um, I've worked with husband and wife teams and they literally say, you're not a therapist, but you certainly helped my, our business and our marriage because when the business is attached to them and we kind of fix that and kind of indirectly fix that, it fixes, fixes the rest of it. Right. It's kind of funny to watch, but um, I don't do any like life coaching. I'm really like, I have such an eclectic corporate background and I've grown a business from the ground up, saved my dad's business from bankruptcy, turned it around and flipped it for 600% profit. That's my core genius is kind of, looking at a business and saying what's broken and how can we make it better and make more money and you have fun. Right. And, and, and a lot of, in corporate America, it's people are being grateful for each other. And so I come in and I speak about how we own gratitude over grumpy that E plus R equals O. And then we're going to choose grateful living even at work. And right. how do, and I actually make them write down a list of people. This is so powerful. I did this with that healthcare client. They have to write down a list of people that they work with on a daily basis. And they have to handwrite them a thank you note. And I will tell you, the feedback from that is unbelievable, powerful. It's unbelievable, the power of it. When you have a leader write an employee or someone in the organization a thank you note, and they have to physically write it and hand it to them. 
is priceless. Yeah. It's the most and powerful And we've just gotten thing. away from it. Yeah. People, and because we assume things, we take things for granted, we're always moving and, and we don't slow down enough to take the time to invest in our relationships. Right. It's relationships. It's At all the end about of the day, it's relationships. Right. And so much of our business world is people see it as transactional when really it, if we would just take care of the relational part, the transactions take care of themselves. Right. right. One of my favorite um, things I tell people is how are you going to be grateful for the client past the transaction? After they've given you their money, right? how are you going to be grateful for them past the transaction consistently letting them know? Because they, you know, they just don't, they don't have right. a strategy for it. Right. Some people don't think about it. Well, I want to be really attentive of your time. And I do have a final question that I want to ask you. Um, but if you're loving what Kim is talking about, like I am, I could talk to her for hours. I will put in the show notes, her Facebook page link and her website and ways to get a hold of Kim. So if you're a business owner out there and you think that Kim can help you, call her up or reach out to her. And if you're not a business owner, still use her strategies because obviously they work because life is relational. So thank you so much for being on the show, Kim. But I do have, well, I actually have two more questions. First question is, is there anything you wanted to talk about today that we didn't talk about or that I didn't ask you that was on your mind? I want you to feel totally fulfilled as we end the show. No, I would just tell people to look at gratitude and take action. I know that, you know, the action is the biggest hurdle. I always say, you know, working out, getting there is half the battle. So just take 30 days or 60 days and just write one thing you're grateful for a day. Just one thing, just one for 60 days and try it. And don't do any, don't add anything else to your plate. Just change that one habit. And I promise you, I guarantee, if you call me back on 60 days and say, I'm still grumpy, it didn't work, that's, that's fine. But I, I'm going to challenge you at that, that just take action to what one thing went well. Right. That, that's a perfect homework assignment. So the final question is, if we had a billboard that the whole world was going to see that has Kim's message on it, what would that billboard say? Choose Grateful Living. Choose Grateful Living. And you heard it from Kim Angeli today on Someone Gets Me. Thank you so much for being on the show and taking time to share your wisdom, your enthusiasm, and your gratitude with us here on Someone Gets Me. Thanks for having me, beautiful. <laughs> Great. Okay, remember everybody to keep your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star and you're here on purpose with a purpose. So let's go out there and follow Kim's advice on gratitude and see how all of our lives can be changed for the better. And until the next episode of Someone Gets Me, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.